All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we're back for another Boca podcast episode. And not only one brand new guest, but we actually have two. Uh, Drew Renner and Chad Brown are here with me today. Thank you guys for uh, making time not only to share with our listeners, but we were actually just jumping right into pretty deep conversation before we started recording. Thanks for making time for all of us today. Thank you for having us. This is awesome. I'm excited for the conversation. Yeah, it's, we love we love to be able to chat with people. Like I said earlier, is you know I learn from everybody, but also I hope that <laughs> sharing our story, people don't fall down the same uh, traps or pitfalls that we did because it was brutal. It was brutal on us. It was brutal on our families. And so, yeah, we're, we're excited to chat today. Well, we're going to be talking about, for those of you listening in, you may have already seen the title, but we're going to be talking about how to minimize burnout as business owners. I also want to address what may seem like the elephant in the room for some of you who may have already checked out uh, Drew and Chad's Instagram account, Epic Man Trips, just like it sounds. We're going to link to it in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. And uh, also, if you go to their website, which is... clicked out of my tab here. Here we go. Epicmantrips.com as well. Um, what I was going to say, though, is Drew and Chad, for a little bit of context, the majority of our listeners are female. And so what I wanted to, to explain to our listeners is that while we are going to actually talk about the Epic Mantrips brand here today, the the conversation at large, the points that we're going to address are going to be largely relevant to anyone listening in, guys or girls. So I just wanted to put that out there to begin with. Uh, but as we get into this, let's actually talk about Epic man trips. Let's talk about your brand position. This is a topic we get into in the podcast quite a bit. Uh, will you, one of you, describe? Uh, let's, Drew. Let's actually start with you. Will you describe the the brand position or the the value proposition, unique value proposition that Epic Man Trips offers to uh, the market at large? Yeah, yeah. You know, Epic came. You know, it's kind of some history. Is Chad and I, and we're going to talk about this, but Chad and I were business partners before in our in our filmmaking business. But, you know, we, the, the whole reason we decided to start Epic Man Trips is because we just saw men struggling, right? You know, men are driven and successful in their business or their careers. And, uh, and women are good at socializing for the most part. I'm not going to generalize that, but women are good at like having friends and socializing and being open and talking about uh, what's going on in their lives. And men tend to hold it all in. And we were, and I started to observe a lot of, you know, friends around me that were, you know, I'd start talking with them and they'd start to kind of open up and, you know, it's just, it was an interesting cycle that men struggled to open up and talk about these things that were important to them, whether it's, you know, struggling to be a good parent to their, their children or, you know, struggles in their marriage or feeling like they've kind of lost their purpose or their meaning. And, the idea stemmed was like, why not create an atmosphere where men can come together? They can play like kids again, uh, but they can also talk about important things, but also at the same time, learn new strategies that will enhance their relationships. And so Chad and I decided to take, you know, my experience after I left filmmaking was, you know, adventure, um, adventure uh, tours. And so I took that experience and then Chad with what he does now. And we brought those things together and really to create an experience where men could learn how to deepen the relationships with their fam- family and with their friends. That's and and it's a we were actually discussing this for everybody else listening and we'll break the fourth wall a bit here, but we were discussing this before we started recording. 
Um, I, and, and I admitted to you all that I, I have a tendency of, I mean, if I just look back over the 41 years that I've been on this earth, um, I've not had a lot of close guy friends. Um, I'm a pretty emotional guy. I do like to go deep in conversation. And what I've found in many cases is that there didn't seem to be that um, willingness to, to go there to to put emotions out there for um, the world at large or, or just the other person, the person on the other side of the conversation uh, and engaging with other guys. I felt more comfortable doing that with females, with women. And um, and so that combined with kind of my my past, my family history, I I just haven't done a great job of building a lot of close relationships with guys. So I, I definitely think there is a need for something like this. You saw the need, you saw the opportunity, you created uh, this brand. And especially for those guys listening in, of course, we're, we're going to link to this in the show notes. Make sure you take a look uh, at this brand and, and what they have to offer. Uh, we'll put that in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. Epic Man Trips uh, is where they're at on Instagram and of course their website as well. Uh, you mentioned the film business. First of all, does that film business still exist? It does, yep. Okay, what's the name of that, if you don't mind? Shade Tree Films. Shade Tree Films. Okay, cool. So is it just shadetreefilms.com? Yep. Cool. We'll put that in the show notes as well. Um, talk to me about, uh, and, and maybe, Chad, you can take this one. Talk to me about customer experience. I know this is a bit of a cliche question, but I, it's something that I feel is really important that we continue to, to focus on, especially here at the podcast figuring out different ways that we can up the ante when it comes to providing a great customer experience for our clients. What has been one of the most important principles that you and Drew have learned uh, with Shade Tree about providing a great customer experience? That one's really simple across all the boards, the brands, the businesses that I own and have been a part of and and my product offerings and, and haven't always been perfect at this. And I'm not always perfect at this, but listening, 100% listening you can have all of the perks. You can have all the bonuses, the beautiful branding, um, all in everything that everybody else talks about. And very little people talk about listening to your clients. Everything that you need in order to run your business in a way that you're proud of is possessed or, or, or is known by your clients. And if you're willing to listen to them, not only will they feel heard and mm. valued, yeah. But you will also find all the secrets you need to run your business in a unique way that, that allows you to stand out from the competition. Um, it's listening is so like real listening is so rarely practiced by business owners, especially. And believe I coach creatives all the time. It's I mean, day in and day out, I'm working with creative business owners on um, on themselves and and their business and their employees. And um, it, it's particularly a unique thing with creatives that uh, for some reason, listening is a very difficult thing for uh, for creatives. Well, and let's talk about that for a second, if you don't mind, because we were also talking about this before we started recording. There's a tendency that I think photographers have a lot of times uh, and I've certainly been guilty of it, where we we go in where the focus is on ourselves, what we can get from the relationship. And, and naturally, that has to be the case if we're going to run a business at, to a point. But uh, the obsession with ourselves as, as artist types, doing it the way that we see fit, um, that 
our brand is represented well through, you know, this particular style of photography, for example. Photographers get obsessed with this notion of, of a particular style that has to be delivered. And the process, it seems like the the actual needs and or desires of the clients get kind of placed to the side. They are secondary or tertiary in nature. Does that in somehow, I guess, in some way tied to what you pointed out was a tendency for creatives not to be good listeners? Absolutely. I mean, I'm a creative. We, I mean, we've had our film business now for 12 years and I've gone through every evolution of this process of first being known for our work and the quality of our work. And that is our is our art that we're putting out into the world. It is a piece of us. And that's what makes it so unique for creatives, right? It's, it's often very different than um, creating some gadget <laughs> that just fills a need that isn't part of you. And um, most creatives that I know of, photographers, filmmakers, um, graphic designers, they, own, they have such a, a level of ownership in their work that is unique. And that often results in, without even noticing, that often results into um, an egocentric relationship with the client. Hmm. And it doesn't have to be that way. I mean, my, my approach is that you can have both, that this can both be your art and your clients can also have a say and a voice in what is actually needed. Because especially if you're doing commercial work. And I think this is where I don't know how many, I, I don't know the split of your audience, whether uh, between commercial and personal portrait and wedding and that kind of stuff. But it's very specifically around corporate work. Your clients know their product. They know their business and they know their customers much better than you ever will. And there's so much that you can learn from them about the product that you can produce for them that's going to create the results that they need. The results that you're producing are not the art, unfortunately. Of course, you want to provide a good product. Of course, you want to be proud of what you do. But if you're working commercially, meaning if you're B2B, if you're working for another business or brand, the product is not your image. It's not your art. Hmm. The product is the result that your art can help your client produce, which is sell their thing. Interesting. Okay. And that's specific, or specifically in the context, I guess, of commercial work. But yeah. I also think about the, I mean, if you take wedding and, and portrait photography, which is where I think most of our listeners are, are, are focused, even in, even in that particular situation or in, in those contexts, I should say, if, if the focus is on the experience that, that they are providing, which results in a particular feeling for their client versus this obsession kind of with our, our identity. Really, it, it, I mean, it seems as though photographers' identity kind of gets tied up in their their mm -hmm. style and their brand. And our, it, our identity or our Instagram page, uh, it's hard. It, the lines are blurred now. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I guess if the focus at the end of the day, though, is on on service, uh, which I don't think is something that's talked about enough in our industry, then then the, the ego gets just naturally gets kind of pushed aside. The focus is on what the client needs, what they're looking for, how we can best meet those needs, add the most value to their life in whatever the context might be. And and they ha they walk away with a really great experience. Listening enables that, though, because now we're in tune with what those needs are. 
Uh, Drew, you actually mentioned to me before we started recording as well that you, you said that you've been working on listening more. Um, <laughs> and and I, this is frankly something that I can do a better job of as well. But what would you say are one or two key ideas that enable better listening, especially in the context of photographers and their clients? Yeah, like I think telling <laughs> my story is a little bit will help answer that question because I was terrible at this. You know, my ego was uh, it was unchecked. And, uh, you know, I would fight so much against what the client wanted because I was the creative, right? I didn't know like what I was saying about understanding or listening to what they really need and understanding that this, your art is just a tool to help them to get the result. I wasn't thinking that. And I would actually end up a lot of times sabotaging the project because of my own stubbornness, because I wanted to be this epic storyteller instead of just giving them what they wanted. And so I didn't listen enough to what they needed. And so, you know, we ended up, it cost us more money because we brought more people than we needed to, or brought too much gear or, you know, or it took longer to produce the edited product product for them instead of just listening to what they wanted. Hmm. Right. Because of that. And because of so many bad experiences and here's what happens happened usually is because I was stubborn. We didn't have a continued working relationship with that client, but as we started to shift that and I started listening to more to what they needed or wanted, it helped us to be able to actually produce products faster. And it also helped us to produce products that serve them now. Now the distinction is to kind of, and we just stopped sharing Like if we weren't proud of it or whatever, who cares? give the the client what they wanted, but it doesn't mean I have to share that on social media or the website or with other potential clients, but just give them what they want. Because at the end of the day, they're paying the bill. It's, It's like Chad said, they know what their business is and what their business needs. And so just give them the tools that help set them up for success. Or again, taking the the wedding client or portrait client, Mm -hmm. the thing that they're looking for that they I feel would be most beneficial for them. I, I guess the one of the natural kind of pushbacks that we get in this conversation, though, and understandably so, is that photographers would say, well, my, my brand is going to get watered down. Mm-hmm. And and as a result, my my marketing efforts also get watered down. What what would you say in response to that? Post what you want more of. I, and I think this started because we did start in weddings. And I remember we want, we decided one day, like there was a particular type of uh, couple that we wanted to work with okay. because of the way they were, the the style of the weddings. And we realized, we realized there was a trend when we'd post stuff that we didn't want, right? They, because we were just po- posting everything we created. What we would see is like Monday morning <laughs> after we posted, we'd have all these inquiries from the exact thing we posted. And we're like, wait a minute. Oh, wait. Okay. So we're like, instead of now posting everything, we decided to only post what we wanted. And so we ended up going out and finding like wedding planners and and coordinators who worked with our particular brides or photographers. And I won't go into that, but we went and we created value for them and figured out how to position ourselves in front of those type of uh, couples. And then when we had content that was created that we were proud of, that's all we posted. And within like six months, those are the types of couples we had now coming in instead of these ones where we're like, why are we keep getting these types of weddings? We don't want to do these. Well, that was to our own fault. We were, we were posting about those types of weddings. Okay. So can it's, it's I, not as, add to that? oh yeah, please go for it. 
Um, the, the thing I would add to that is that that's about the time that we started to create an avatar for our, our ideal client. And um, the number one uh, characteristic that we identified for that avatar was the level of involvement that the client wanted to have in the end product. So um, we started to filter for couples or let's be honest, brides who didn't want to be very involved in, in the actual product, like in, in how it came out. Hmm, okay. Like they, they were, they saw our work, they loved our work and, and pretty much the only involvement they had was writing a check, signing a contract and giving us a date. And we started to filter for that and it worked really, really well because that's what we wanted. And we found out what price range most of those couples hang out in. We found out what uh, coordinators were also attracting those couples. Uh, you know, so we just started to identify, okay, where are these people who interact with us the way that we want to interact with them? So we're not talking about kind of an either or situation here. We're we're naturally our setting or ideally setting ourselves up for success and a minimal amount of conversation and a need for pushback, if you will, and interaction with a client by simply developing a brand and and sharing that brand uh, with the goal of attracting clients who want the service that we are offering. So we're we're just starting with that premise, correct? Yeah, that's what it was for us. Definitely on the wedding side of stuff. Okay, fair enough. And and then from that point, now that we've clearly established this this brand, we're consistent in the the type of work that we are sharing, representing that brand that we ultimately want to develop. Um, then naturally, we would draw in at least the majority of the time. Hopefully, draw in clients that fit that brand, and ultimately through that, then we're able to to serve them more effectively as well. I, and that's a really deep conversation. We could keep going there, but I want to I want to continue on because um, we are going to get to this this conversation of burnout. Before we do that, though, I'd like to ask my guests about their we can call it a technique for time, if you will, but a principle that enables them to better manage time. We're going to get into this in more detail in just a little bit, but if, if, if somebody listening in is going to have to sign off as soon as you answer this question, what would be the primary principle, and Drew and Chad both, I'd love to hear from each of you on this, um, that you would want to share with them that enables them to manage their time more effectively as a photography business owner? And um, Drew, let's start with you. Oh man, I was say Chad go first. <laughs> I'm like, that's a deep question. I was like, there's a lot. So I'm trying I to I can think go of, first if you need a yeah, second, Drew. Go for it. Yeah. Um, for me, this is something that I think about a lot. Um, time is obviously our uh our uh, finite resource. It can't be replaced. And so uh anything else we can find more of except for time. Um, and so for me, it's, I pay really close attention to how I spend it. Every half hour in my day has a job. So if this were video, I could show you right now sitting next to me and it's always on my left-hand side is my uh, schedule for the day. And every, every half hour is, is planned out. So, um, I make a list of all of the things that I need to accomplish or want to accomplish that day. And then that's the first list that gets made. And then, um, and it only takes me about, uh, usually about 15 minutes a day to do this. So I make a, a list of everything that I want to accomplish in the day. And then every starting at five thirty or 5am and ending at nine thirty PM, every half hour has a job. Wow. And, um, it's specific to the point where, you know, 7am to 8am I'm present at home 
in my kitchen, making breakfast, packing lunches, high-fiving my kids. And, um, and in the side margin, you'll see no phone. So um, those are the, and, you know, and then again, 6 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. is present at home, no phone in the margin. Hmm. So it's, it's really, for me, this really works. And, and this is something that's fairly new for me. I've been doing it for about four or five months now, and it's, has completely changed the way that I look at my days, what I'm able to get done, and then what looks like what's important and what's urgent. And that's the, that's the thing that I am working to define every single day is working on the things that are important, not necessarily the things that feel urgent or that I'm making up are urgent. And if my schedule looks like, or if my list looks like it's full of urgent things, I have a much deeper time management problem that I need to address, not just the the to-do list. (laughs) So I guess what what I'm saying is that um, I've been able to evolve my days in a way that I, I've, I not very often does something come up that's urgent. Now I have to, and again, we could spend so much time here, ironically, um, it, talking about this, but the, I guess the main question that comes to mind hearing this breakdown, because I have so much respect for the way that you're managing each of your days. And yet, does it feel like there's like somebody's micromanaging you when you're talking about 30 minute segments or increments? I, I, I'm a pretty structured guy myself. Um, but if, if I had to break every single day down into that kind of detail, I feel like I was almost missing out on the, the freedom that I have as a business owner as well, because each, you know, every 30 minutes of my day is planned out. How do you avoid feeling that way? My free time is blocked out too. <laughs> so, you know, um, even I'm even looking at today, right? So this morning, eight thirty to nine thirty. I had um, I had just a block of time uh, blocked out to just do something that feels right or connect with somebody. I also I often have like an hour or a half hour blocked out that says just connection, right? So that's where I text my mom or text my friends or call somebody that I haven't talked to in a while. There's often times when I'll block out time in the afternoon, right? The reason we do this, the reason we're business owners is so that we can do the things that we love to do and not be tied to a schedule, which is what I hear you saying, Um, right? When you have a job, you're tied to the nine to five and that feels like a ball and chain. That feels like somebody's managing your time for you or micromanaging your time for you. This could feel the same way. It doesn't for me. This represents an immense amount of freedom, because the the way I used to operate was I just I was just taking care of what was on my plate at the moment, which often looked like urgent. And by the time or or before I knew it, the day was over. It was five thirty six p.m. and I couldn't account for the time for the the ten and a half hours that I just spent at my desk. I couldn't tell you necessarily what I got done. Yes, I could tell you like a couple of to-dos that I crossed off or a project that I made some progress on, but I couldn't account for it. And that felt devastating. I don't know how else to to describe it, but just like, oh no, what am I doing? Now I can account for it. Now I have the freedom. So literally uh, I'm blocking out like tonight at the, um, this evening, 
I will, tomorrow's Friday, right? And Friday is my light work day. So I'll be blocking out two and a half hours to go up to the mountain ski. And that is in my schedule. Okay. And it will happen. I guarantee it. Hmm. Now, the way I used to operate was I have to get all these things done. And if I get all these things done, then, and, and there's still time before the kids are out of school and we're doing dinner and stuff, then I'll go ski. And it never happened. Got it. Rarely happened. So we're talking about being intentional here and not, not kind of micromanaging ourselves, but just being intentional, deciding ahead of time, choosing for yourself how you're going to spend your time. And, and in doing so, there is freedom. That, that totally makes sense. Uh, and man, I just, the, the idea of the 30 minute segments, it seems like a lot, but I guess you kind of get used to the workflow and the payoff is, is massive. That's really interesting. Talk to me, Drew, about your approach. Is it as, as detailed? Do you have a different, a <laughs> no, different I, style? <laughs> uh, Chad is on a, a whole new level, way ahead of me. And I'm, Whoa, I'm learning. Wait, 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 wait. I, I, I want to stop you. This is not, I'm not, this is not for everyone and I'm not above anybody that doesn't manage their time this way. I want to be very, very clear. (laughs) Fair enough. Fair Um, enough. Yeah. It's just, it just works for me and it creates freedom for me mentally and, uh, and all that kind of stuff. So Drew, don't diminish yourself based on what I choose to do. No. And, but I, I see the value in it because, right. Because I, what you're saying is right. You, because you're planning out, you can be intentional and you can make agreements with your family and say your family getting the leftovers, which you and I both have lived that life where our families get the leftovers because of this is what the business needs or we're making a sacrifice. And, and it left. Thanks for bringing that up, Drew. Cause yeah, (laughs) I'm a pro at at giving my family the leftovers. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm, I'm learning to do this because I think naturally Nathan, I'm like you where I'm like, Oh, this feels so restrictive, but I'm seeing now I'm doing things like, Hey, I'm going to be off by this time. Right. You know, working from home and, you know, being self-employed, you're like, you can easily, you know, hide in your office for a little longer, but now it's like, Hey, what time do you, you know, talk to my wife? What time do you need me off? Great. Cool. And I, you know, I keep that commitment so that seeing that structure that Chad uses, it helps you to keep those commitments and make sure that your family aren't getting left over. Now for me, the, one of the things I do because of my history is I just ask myself, does this matter? Right. With everything, you know, if I'm getting frustrated about something, I'm like, does this even matter? Or if I'm like doing some researching things or working on something like, does this matter? Because that helps me. And it goes with the vision I have for my relationship with my family. It's like, is this going to give me the end result, the thing that I want more? Or am I wasting time? Or is this my ego talking right now? Um, because I have such a history where I, I made, I did things to quote unquote, do sacrifice to build a business so that my family could have a better life, or I can give them what I didn't have growing up. And it, it really was the, the failure of my role as a father and as a husband, because I allowed things to over and overrule my life to consume my life. And now I have to question everything. And I say, does this matter? What Drew's talking about, we call it the the deciding question. Mm. Um, does 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 it make the boat go faster, right, Drew? Um, yeah. Meaning, it, it we you can define you can come up with one question that defines your work or your or your vision at the moment, and everything can be measured up against that question. 
it, it comes from the idea of a, um, the English rowing team in the fifties, the Olympic rowing team, they'd never medaled. England had never medaled in the rowing, uh, uh, event in the Olympics. This team decided they were determined to medal and they wanted the gold, obviously. <laughs> and, um, they came up with a single question that they would make, that they would use to make every single decision in their days leading up to the Olympics. And their question was, does it make the boat go faster? So every single decision that they have to make in their day-to-day lives, should I eat this? When should I go to bed? When should I wake up? Should I go to this party? Should I not? Should I, you know, you can, you ask yourself the defining question or the deciding question, which is, does it make the boat go faster? And if you can't say yes, then don't do it. And so that's what Drew's talking about, or at least that's what I hear when he says this, is he has these deciding question, um, is it important? Or I would say even further, is it important for what I'm current, what my vision currently is around my work? And if it's not, then that, you know, the question decides for you. Yeah. And I think that's important because everything that we've talked about so far really should revolve around, um, I, I call it here on the podcast, a big picture view associated with that notion of a big picture view, at least for me personally, is a set of values. And it, these things act as a filter for the way that I ultimately act on a day-to-day basis. And, and when I don't, when I, when I'm not living up to that value set, uh, which then of course determines what it is that I'm trying to accomplish on a bigger picture view, my mission in life, if you will, then I, I feel like I'm, I'm falling short and I'm, I can make adjustments accordingly. Uh, and, and so this holds true. I mean, when it comes to establishing a brand, does this brand ultimately support my big picture view, my value set, and ultimately my big picture view. Does the customer experience that I'm trying to create do the same thing? Um, and, and then in this case, how I spend my time, all of these things should be a reflection of that overarching kind of big picture view, uh, which should be established with our values in life. And I think that's really important. I think a lot of photographers, though, don't function in that way. It's it's a bit more reactive in nature. They have these various ideals, uh, depending on whatever segment of their life that they're in, versus having kind of a North Star that guides them all along the way. Um, and I think it's really important that we make the time to establish that that so-called big picture view. It's going to look different for different people, different belief systems, different goals in life, different values. But at the end of the day, if we don't have that guiding us, um, and as a result, we're not asking the right question, um, to your point, Chad, then, then I think we, we miss out and we certainly aren't going to be able to manage our time as wisely to that end. Um, I, I do have one other question really quickly about time management and that has to do with delegation or, or outsourcing work. Is this something that you all have experimented with in your business? Have you found any benefit from it? Yeah. Jay yeah. Can speak on this very well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, currently shade tree runs almost completely on freelancers. Okay. Um, and so we do have extensive uh, experience, both in failing and succeeding to run our business, um, both integrating freelancers with our work or running it completely with freelancers. And so, yeah, um, we, we have a lot of experience with it. And is this something that you did almost from the get-go or was it kind of no. a, learning, a learning curve? Okay. <laughs> no, 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 I would say... Um, you know, the reason that we're on this conversation talking to you today about burnout is because we're pros at it. We were pros at burnout. We were pros at burnout and not counteracting it for probably about the first five years of our business. Yeah, hmm. Drew? Yeah. 
Um, and then we figured out um, some very specific things to do in order to uh, prevent the burnout. And one of those was utilizing um, freelancers and subcontracting work out. And so uh, we started to formulate some really powerful systems around that. Um, but really the entire concept of uh, hiring a freelancer, using subcontractors, whatever you want to call it, is uh, commitments and agreements. Are they clear and are we committed to keeping them? Hmm. And if we're and and when we break them, are we willing to have the difficult conversations? And if we're committed to those things, the the commitments, the agreements, and the difficult conversations, then you can create incredible things utilizing freelancers um, and independent creatives. Yeah, but there again, it goes back to being really clear about what it is we're trying to accomplish. And if, if there isn't clarity there, and I've, I mentioned this before in the podcast, one of the things that I've experienced owning an editing company, Photographers Edit, is that photographers, when there is frustration in the process of outsourcing really any task, um, certainly editing, a lot of that frustration can come from not being clear, absolutely clear about what it is that you're trying to accomplish in the first place. What it is that you're looking for is the end result or the end yeah. product. And if you're not clear about that, if there's any kind of confusion or question, then then it creates confusion in the inter- interaction with that third party and as a result can lead to frustration. So to our, to our conversation thus far, I mean, there's this underlying theme, it seems, uh, or overarching theme for that matter, which is be clear about what it is that you're trying to accomplish and let that guide what you're doing, uh, including even something like delegation. And in fact, super important when it comes to this notion of delegation. And I've also mentioned this on the podcast before, um, Chad, Drew, I've, I have a relatively small team and we're not a massive company, uh, but even in interaction with my team, I continue to learn how to refine my communication process because if I'm not, first of all, again, clear about what it is that I want to accomplish and communicating that in a way that resonates with them, then it leads to confusion. It leads to potentially frustration and us not being able to accomplish what it is that we're out to accomplish in the first place. Um, so I, this is a really great reminder. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think if, if there's anything to learn with that is, yeah, it's like getting very clear what you said and Chad, what you said is like having that clarity of what you want and then learning how to communicate that effectively. Mm. Right. And so that, but that, that you're both making agreements that you're both making commitments to each other. And then when the commitments are broken, how to engage immediately, not avoid, cause that was my thing. I would not talk about it or I'd avoid it or try to fix the problem myself. And that wasn't a gift to that person because, you know, I wasn't helping them with what they needed to succeed. And I wasn't owning my contribution to the relationship of, you know, either setting them up with success, giving them, you know, giving them the tools they needed or, you know, helping them to understand what needed to be done. Like I realized like I was the, <laughs> I'm beating around the bush, but I, I did a, a horrible job at running a team and a horrible job communicating with our clients because I didn't know how to communicate. Hmm. Yeah. I, I thought I was a decent communicator and, and even in the last year, I've been reminded of the fact that I had a lot of work to do so I can, I can relate to you. Um, very much true. I, and I, I feel your pain. <laughs> here's, here's the continued improvement though. It sounds like we're all yeah. on the same page as far as that's concerned that we're certainly working to improve, um, maybe communication or uh, it's approach to a better co- approach to communication could be a conversation for another day, but let me keep going. Cause I know we have a lot to cover still. Let's, let's talk about a, an impactful 
business or self-help book or maybe some combination of the above that you've each read or listened to that you would recommend to our listeners? Um, maybe, Chad, you can comment on this first. Okay. There are so <laughs> many. <laughs> uh, I'm going to start with The Courage to Be Disliked. Ooh, okay. Um, that is a book that changed my life. I read it twice a year now. Um, and uh, the treasures that are held in that book are, I mean, they have the potential to uh, completely transform the way that, you know, what we're talking about, the way that you communicate with people, the way that you see your your relationship with other people, mm. um, probably the way that you see your relationship with your art as well, since we're talking to creatives. Uh, that's the very first book that all of my clients are required required to read in the coaching context, um, because there's some very foundational um, ideas in there that uh, I operate my day to day life on, or, or at least practice <laughs> operating my day to day life on. Um, and then um, leadership and self deception. Yes, is oh my word, yeah, foundational book uh, for me. So those are the two I would say I could go on and on. No, I I have oh, not read and the Four Agreements. Oh, <laughs> I'll put that one in there for agreement. Super powerful as well. Yeah. So I've read the last two. I haven't read Courage to be Disliked. We're going to link to all these though in the show notes. For those of you listening in, if you go to bocapodcast.com, you look at the show notes there under this episode, we'll link to these books. You can also go to Boca Bookshelf, B-O-K-E-H Bookshelf. Again, for those of you listening in, if, if you want to see some of the most popular recommendations actually uh, of books that have been shared here in the podcast, you can, you can check out that resource as well. But this is Courage to be Disliked. Sounds like a really powerful book. Who's that by? Ichiro Kishimi. Yeah. Okay. I just so pulled it up. There you here. go. That's my chopped up version of the author's <laughs> name. I'm encouraged to be just like, it's great though. It's a, it's an allegory between a philosopher and a student sure. and uh, it's a, it's a really easy read. Um, and uh, yeah, I love it. Yeah. So I've, I've actually got it pulled up here on Amazon. I happen to grow up in Japan, so I, I'll, I'll give you the pronunciation. It's Ichiro Kishimi uh, is how, how they would say it in Japanese. And um, we'll make sure to link to that in the show notes. That sounds fascinating. Wow. Okay. Um, it, let's let's go to you, Drew. Tell me what your mm-hmm. book recommendation would be. You know, I would say the top one that comes to mind is a book called A More Beautiful Question. Okay. And it's by Warren Berger, if I don't butcher that one. That's a little easier than uh, Chad's author. But uh, <laughs> I love this book because it's all about uh, questions not only we use in conversation, like with teams or with business partners, but also with ourselves. And it's the way that we phrase questions can open up possibility. Um, and it explains how the way that we currently may be asking questions is really closing us off from innovation or possibility in everything, business, relationships, or whatever. So it's just a very, it's a simple book to follow, lots of great stories. And uh, it just really helped me think about how I ask questions, whether I'm teaching a discussion or whether I'm having a conversation with my kids or whatever, but it's, it's how to like open or ask questions open-endedly that create that to like invite creativity. Yes. Okay. Good, 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 good. We're going to link to that in the show notes as well. Bocapodcast.com for everybody listening make sure you take advantage of that resource uh, on the site. All right. Well, I want to jump into really our primary focus today. And it's funny, I, some, sometimes I make these differentiations from the introductory questions to the primary topic. Really today, this has all kind of flowed beautifully and, and it's all very, very relevant. But as I mentioned earlier, we're going to talk about minimizing burnout. And actually leading up to our conversation today, Drew, you, you'd said to me 
Um, we learned a lot of hard lessons with the rapid growth we saw in our film business and our success in building a name for ourselves. We burned ourselves and our teams out. We had no personal life. Luckily, we learned how to change it all. We're going to get to the kind of the principles that drove that change here in just a little bit. But uh, maybe, Drew, can you start us out with a bit of a backstory of the company? <laughs> Yeah. So I'll just skip right to where Chad and I partnered up. And it's crazy you know, that that whole thing of partnering up, we had zero clients at the time. And I can't believe that I roped Chad to move to a new state. And uh, there's a lot of funny stories associated with that. But we partnered up and very quickly, we were just, we're both naturally driven and we can hustle hard and fast. And so we just set out on this mission to build a name for us, right? And and to, to, the goals in the beginning were to work with big clients so we can make lots of money and we'll get this fancy studio and we'll have a team uh, who works with us. And so we just put our heads down and we worked, we grinded. And really quickly, we went from working in our apartment, like literally we lived together for just a short period of time yeah. to working in a public library to fast forward. Um, I can't remember the timeline, but we actually had an office and, uh, and I, it got to the point where we were just like, we were starting to make a name for ourselves. We were being asked to put on workshops and speak at conferences and, you know, <laughs> the ego started to set in, but we were just pushing, pushing, pushing. And within a few short years, we were doing stuff for like Target and Volkswagen. And, uh, you know, we were traveling all over the United States and we were home very little and we made really good money. And all of a sudden, one day we realized we had a studio that was bigger than we needed. And we had a, a full on, what was it, Chad, four or five full time employees working for us, plus part time and freelancers working for us. And uh, we literally lived in uh, hotels and uh, got to work on airplanes all the time. And uh, we had no life. Hmm. And Chad can, t I'll let Chad share with the moment where we realized like, is this what we want? But we just, that was our focus and we got it. We got yeah. it. And yeah. one day we we're just like, holy crap, this life sucks. And we actually weren't talking to each other about how we fell up, up until the, the point where we decided something needed to change. But for me, I was just like, you know, I love adventure. I love dirt biking. I love, you know, I love being able to play like a kid. And I was like, look, I make all this money, but I don't even get to enjoy it because I'm always on the road. And so it's like, I never, you know, I was missing my wife's birthdays every year, uh, anniversaries, a lot of times like 4th of July, we were gone because we were doing some kind of a commercial event. Oh man. And I was like never home for not only just like being home, but for these like moments when you're supposed to be together with your family. And I was like, dude, do I really want to keep doing this? Mm. And from the outside looking and people were like, finally people were saying, man, you guys have made it because in the beginning people were like, oh, when are you going to stop this hobby? But uh, people were recognizing as they're like, good job and the success. And they're like, ah, and I, I put on this front, like, yeah, like, cool. Yeah. Like I've made all the success. I've made a name for myself. People actually think I'm a big deal now. And <laughs> meanwhile, I hated it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely hated it. I'm like, dude, I hate my life. I felt like a slave to the business. I felt like I was dissatisfied with our team. I was like, we had people on our full-time team that would go home the end of the day and I would take their projects and re-edit them. 
and I was getting home at nine, 10 o'clock at night. Then I was back up the next day when I was actually not on the road. And I was doing the same thing over and over. And it was like, we had employees that weren't really bringing value. Again, I'll rec- I recognize now that was my contribution to the, to the equation, but it was this horrible lifestyle. So I don't chat if you wanted to kind of talk about the breakdown where we were like, okay, enough is enough. But that was my experience, you know, up in, in the first few years of owning our business. Yeah, I think there was a there was a definite tension um, because and it showed up in our partnership a lot. We had a, a pretty dysfunctional partnership as far as our ability to communicate with each other and talk with each other about what was actually going on um, because we had built the entire company on this foundation of grinding, putting our heads down and working our asses off. And it's a really interesting place to come to when you work really, really hard for something and then you get it and you realize it's not what you want. Hmm. And it, it was devastating. We, uh, we got, we, we got in from an international shoot and went to the studio really quick to change over our gear because we were going to get back right back on another flight for another job. And in, in a couple of hours, we had to change over our gear, charge batteries, replace a couple of things. You know, there's always these little maintenance things that you have to do, especially when you fly with your gear, we were going to do those. And our wives were going to meet us at the studio just to <laughs> exchange a kiss and a hug. And, and I sat down for a minute to check our bank account, our business bank account. And somebody had hacked into our bank account. So oh, no. a, whole, a whole load of money. <laughs> Whoa. And, um, I don't know why that was the, the straw. Um, honestly, I mean, it's not a big deal. You know, it's all, it's all insured. They put the money back in your bank account within like 24 hours and then they go do their investigation and stuff. And, and I knew that, but for some reason that day, that, that moment where we were in between flights, hadn't seen our family probably for a week and we were going on and probably another three days without seeing them and it snapped us. Um, well, it's and, almost like all, all this for money that can just get taken away and right. in the blink of an eye almost, you know, yeah. that, I mean, that's what, that's what I'm seeing from the outside. Well, and what's the money for anyway? Right. I mean, cause yeah. we're, we, it was, an, it, we told ourselves it was for the money. Hmm. Um, but really what we were discovering through that process is that it was an ego move. We wanted to look big. Hmm. We wanted to look we wanted to be the best. Even to and, each other, to the extent that you yeah, wouldn't mm-hmm. like discuss it, right? That's yeah. exactly right. That's exactly right. So when we discovered that, we it was it was weird. It was um I remember it so vividly, like you said, Drew, but like in that moment, we both looked at each other and we were like, This isn't working. Hmm. We can't do this. Yeah. We can't keep this up. And I know for me, I won't speak for Drew, but we've had lots of conversations about this. I was I was operating um, well, one, I was operating on adrenaline, but I was also carrying the weight of the guilt of the dad and the, and the husband mm-hmm. that I was being that, that weight just became too much. It was too heavy. It was, it was, I had had enough. And, and we both looked at each other. We said, if we can't figure this out within the next six months, we're done. Wow. We will walk away from this. We'll close the doors. If we can't figure out how to run this thing in a way that it supports our families, we get to do what we love. Um, but yet we still get time off. We get to have hobbies. We get to see our families, not travel as much. If we can't figure that out, then we're done and we'll walk away. We'll literally close the doors. And, um, and then we got connected with a, a coach who came in and luckily, man, he showed us our stories. He showed us, um, 
the, the ways in which we were setting up our lives exactly the way that we wanted them for the goals that we had in mind, hmm. right? We, we, at that point, we felt a victim to the circumstances and he showed us how we were not victims to the circumstances. In fact, we were living the exact life that we wanted to live. And if we wanted, if we actually wanted to live a different life, we'd have to make different decisions. Um, and if we wanted it, we would make different decisions. And so that's when you know, a whole avalanche, I mean, could, uh, the story goes on, but you know, at that point, uh, a whole avalanche of decisions happened in which allowed us to, cr- to create freedom in the business and we felt in control of it. We actually started, we actually decided to live where we wanted to live rather than where we thought the business dictated for us to live. We moved all of our employees to um, a freelance and, and um, outsource kind of uh, subcontractor yeah. position um, so that that overhead wasn't eating us alive. I mean, there's so many things, but it wasn't, it wasn't tactics and it wasn't strategies to make the business work for us. It was that we had to recognize the stories that we were telling ourselves that allowed us to put ourselves in that position in the first place. Yeah. It's like, I remember the wake up call for me. I remember, I don't remember if it was first or second um, coaching call is I was asked what I wanted. And I said, you know, I want, I want to have more time with my family. And luckily he was so bold with me. He says, you're lying to yourself. And I'm like, what? <laughs> wait, wow. wait, what do you, what do you mean by that? And he says, if you wanted to be more with your family more, you'd be making those choices to do that. And my whole, mm. oh. and that was like, that shook me up because I realized up in this point, I had made all of my decisions based off of what I was wanting to create. And it was this ego. It was the money. The money was the mark, right? And the having the studio and having, you know, a team, that was the marks of success. Instead of the success being able to be present with my family, not only physically, but mentally. And the money was just the means or the business supported that lifestyle. And so that was the shift for me. And that was the transformation that took over the next four to six months as we shook things up is I just started to realize what's the goal here okay. and getting very clear in that because at that point I was feeding the beast. Yeah. It was it was ridiculous because what we were doing was just feeding the whole and it felt like it was picking up momentum where it got worse and worse where it was like you know I remember a point right before this breakdown is like we I remember a client of ours was night their their payout was new days and they were late on it and then we we were owed seventy two thousand dollars and for us we had to clear two two or twenty thousand dollars just to pay our overhead and so chad and i were like well we got to feed our our, feed our team we have to pay them and we're just gonna have to go without and i was like dude this is crazy this is crazy like we're busting it and we're still can't even provide for our families right now Wow. And so it was just this catalyst of like, dude, why are we doing this? But the shift was then, okay, what is the lifestyle we want for our families? And for Chad and I, we had different lifestyles and that's okay. And so we decide what lifestyle we wanted and how does the business support that lifestyle? Hmm. And, and okay. But there again, we're it's, I I love this because we're back to what, to your earlier point, Drew, asking the right questions. Right. Um, but, but, 
mm-hmm. overall having a big picture view that's driving what it is that we're doing. I, okay, so this naturally, and, and we can kind of tell that you guys are podcasters. Uh, for for those of you listening in, what I didn't mention earlier is that Drew and Chad actually have their own podcast as well. It's called Hey, What's Up, Man? Um, and we'll link to that in the show notes uh, as well at bocapodcast.com. But uh, you, you set me up beautifully for our, my next question, which is the, the principles. What are the principles that you began to enact or to implement in your business that enabled you to make this massive shift? I have three for you and a bonus. Oh, perfect. Okay, go. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's hard to boil it down to three, I think, because there's so many. And um, in my opinion, the bonus one is actually the most important one. Um, so the first one is vision. We've been talking about this over and over again. Sure. And vision is the foundation for all of the coaching work that I do with clients, uh, with creative clients as well, any client actually. And I don't want people to get lost in the word vision. Vision can feel big and untouchable. And like, you know, a lot of people talk about it as like, what's your life vision or your dream? But vision is actually a very simple principle of what do you actually want in everything? Okay. Right. So I can have a vision. I often joke a lot of times, like, um, uh, it drives me nuts when my desk, my workspace is messy. And so I have a clear vision of what I want my workspace to look like. You know, I have, uh, I have one coin on my desk that's, that's, uh, says the obstacle is the way it's an old stoic principle that's on there to remind me so that when things get hard or the tough, the day is tough, that, that whatever I'm up against is actually the way to get what I want. So I have that and I have my coffee cup and I have my planner and my computer and like, that's my vision for my desk. And I know when it becomes a mess that I have misaligned with my vision. Hmm. I have forgotten what my vision was and why, like what I was working for. And really the vision for the desk is just peace of mind, creativity, right? This, this clean slate, this place where I can freely think and not feel cluttered. And so um, I'd only give that example because I don't want people to get lost in this word a vision, but vision is just purely a future worth having. That's it. What future for you in this specific thing is worth having? And why does that relate to burnout is because when we find ourselves burnt out, we have misaligned or forgotten uh, our vision. Guaranteed. Because we're not getting what we want. Right. We're not making the decisions that get us closer there. We're making decisions based off something else, right? So what is that something else? So a lot of um, times it's just feelings in the moment, right? I mean, I I spoke earlier about kind of the emotional tendency, certainly that I have. um, And I know a lot of photographers, so-called artist types can relate to that as well. We we tend to react in the moment because of whatever emotions we may be experiencing. That's right. So no problem, right? When you find yourself heading towards burnout, no problem. There's nothing wrong, bad, or broken with that. Take a deep breath, realign with the vision. What am I about? What makes the boat go faster? Yep. Yep. That's it. That's the vision. The, the second one um, is to treat your time like gold. Gold is a finite resource. Uh, some people choose to invest in gold, right? Buying gold bars or, or different forms of gold because it'll increase in value, but there's only so much available. So you're not, typically you don't know somebody who is buying bars of gold and then forgetting where they put them, 
right? And that's just to illustrate the value that is there. If you're buying bricks of gold, you're going to put them in the safe. Yeah. You're going to check in on them. You're going to have an inventory. You're going to make sure nobody knows about it. Like you're going to, you're going to do the things it's going to take to preserve the value of that. And so treat your time in the same way. It is gold. It's finite. You can never get this moment back. And one thing that I always talk about is use your yeses conservatively and use your noes freely because in your yeses, you um, eliminate millions upon millions of options. Once you say yes to something, that's going to take your time that could be have, could have been spent on a million of other things. But in every no, there's a million possibilities. Meaning when you say no to something, you're actually opening up your options for something else. So just be really careful with your yeses and really free with your noes. <laughs> Love that. I know so many creatives, especially who want to do it all without even knowing how it relates to their vision, right? And that's what you're, that, you know, even on an emotional base, uh, emotional basis. And when I talk to them, I often hear things like, I'm so busy, but I feel like I'm not getting anything done. I'm not taking any ground. And that's, that is a symptom of being free with your yeses. And then the third one, do you want me to go on the third one or do you want to? Yeah, go any- for it. Go for it. Okay. Third one is do the hard thing first. Whatever the most difficult thing is on your to-do list or whatever the most difficult conversation that you're anticipating in the moment, go have that conversation first. Yeah. There's a tendency. I, I know that uh, I'm certainly guilty of it where you, you push the thing off because you don't want to face it. The irony for me, it, it seems like a lot, if not most of the time, is that when I finally do that thing, it doesn't even take that long. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> we make up that it is going to be harder or take longer than it really is. Yeah. 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 And so, so it, it tends to what, what happens is then we also, in the avoidance of those things, we often say yes to things we wouldn't typically say yes to because we're just making ourselves busy uh, to avoid the thing that we don't want to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's funny. It's funny and it's sad at all at the same time, but I, you can't help but laugh because it's so true. Well, and I want to make sure it's clear. The reason we understand these things is not because we're experts. It's because, well, we're experts of doing it the wrong way or a way that wasn't good. So all these things that we've shared are because we've made some hard choice or made some choices that led to some hard consequences. And so Chad and I are not perfect at this. We're practicing it every day. And some days I do great. Some days I do other, you know, don't do so great, but it's just, it's the constant practice and awareness about it that helps me to be more intentional uh, with my family. Oh, that totally makes sense. So, so start with a vision, which very clearly is a future worth having. Secondly, treat time like gold that the time that we are spending in order to achieve that vision, we need to, to, not only manage that proactively, but, but guard it even. Um, and mm-hmm. that's, I, I love the way that you phrase that. And then thirdly, do the hard thing first. And then you said you had a bonus. What's, what's the bonus, Jed? Yeah. Are you, are you ready for the bonus? This is the hard pill to swallow. <laughs> all right. All right. I'm ready. <laughs> Drew shared his story about, um, you know, him telling our, our business coach that he wanted more time with his family. 
Um, and that was Drew's, we call it a chronic complaint. Mm-hmm. You know, this complaint that keeps coming up and keeps coming up. And it's yeah. like, why can't I do this thing? Why can't I figure this thing out? Yeah. And his answer to Drew was simply, well, you don't want it. You don't actually want it. Because mm-hmm. if you did, you would arrange your life in a way that you got it. Hmm. So the bonus one is not, it's not glamorous and it's not fun, but it's the most important one, I believe, because without it, all of the, th- the three that, that precede it um, are just tactics. And as they say, a dog will return to its vomit. Yep. Um, you know, unless we rewire the mindset that has driven us to the place that we currently are, we will just return there. So tactics and tips and tricks will work for a very short period of time. Sure. And then we will return to where we were. So um, the bonus is to question your stories. Find out where your chronic complaints are. Pay attention to what it is that you complain about often and that you make up you can't do anything about or your circumstances are dictating and question that. We call that complaint, in my work, we call that complaint a racket. And it's a throwback back to the prohibition times where they would put a candy store up, right? And on Main Street, there'd be this nice, bright candy store. And then what's happening in the back of the candy store? Gambling, prostitution, drinking, all of the worst things. So these chronic complaints that make us look like we want this thing, this intention, this this um, beautiful, right? Drew's was, I want more time with this, with my family was his racket. And what's really going on is in the background, he's got ego that says, I need to be the best. I need people to value me for building a successful business, blah, 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 blah. And that is more important than what I say I want. Wow. So yeah. And when you say question your stories, I mean, these are really the stories that we're telling ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yep. And two, for me, it was like, I, even on this, you know, journey I've set out on, you know, so many years ago, it's like, okay, well, what does time with my family look like? Right. Cause time is like money, right? It's like, okay, I'm with my family more, but what does that mean? Like, what am I doing with my family? What does the relationship look like for me? How am I interacting with my kids? How am I adventuring with my kids? Like, what do, what do I want the legacy to be? And so it's like, the more clear you can get on that vision. Like, if I say, I want to have a great marriage, what does that mean to me? Right? I want my wife, I've been on this recent journey of redefining what that is. Like, I want to feel like my wife is my best friend. I want to be able to talk with her about anything especially not logistics when in the past, we always just talked about logistics. Yeah, yeah. And so like getting very clear on what I want to create with her, then it helps me to know what, who I need to be and the actions I need to take in order to create that relationship with her. And I'll, I'll give, I'll give the listeners. Um, and it's a good reminder for me too, uh, an exercise to practice. So when you identify your chronic complaint, this thing that you complain about all the time, identify the thing that is keeping you from having what it is you say you want, right? So let's just use Drew's. I've got a plenty of personal experiences, but we've already we've already uh, exposed Drew. So we're gonna com- we're gonna keep uh, you know just pounding on that. Um, That's all right. But taking Drew's example, right? So his chronic complaint is, I never have time with my family, and the thing that was keeping him from that is the busyness of the business, right? The the demands of the client, the demands of the overhead 
all of that kind of thing. Here's the thought exercise that I would invite anybody to do if they're relating to this conversation. And it takes some imagination. Something creatives can get into pretty easy. So don't worry about that. But it is going to take some childlike imagination. Sit down and at the top of the, of the piece of paper, just write this sentence. I wonder why this is my favorite way to live. Meaning the thing that you think is keeping you from what you actually want. Like if that was your favorite way to live, why would that be? And that's going to start to expose um, the intentions that drive you to make your make decisions that set up your life the way it is. And just brainstorm. Just why, why, why might it be that it's it's my favorite way to live busy and chaotic and um, with never any time for my family, all of that kind of stuff. And just use your imagination as if as if it wasn't even you, as if there was no meaning to any of it, just start writing. Maybe why might it be my favorite way to live? And I think some pretty powerful stuff will, will be uncovered in that exercise. That's a, that is a really interesting question uh, for multiple reasons. One of which I think myself included, it's, it's tough to be completely honest with yourself answering that question. Right, mm-hmm. and because it, to, your, to our earlier conversation, we we kind of fill in the blanks with these excuses that sound really nice, whether we're saying them to ourselves or we're saying them out loud <laughs> to other people. Um, how do how do we ask that question and answer it honestly? Like I said, it, it takes some imagination. It takes some practice. Um, this is an exercise. Whenever whenever I'm with a client and I hear one of their stories pop up, my question to to them is that same exact question. I wonder why that's your favorite way to show up. Let's just stand on it like a possibility. Let's not like a question. Nothing is concrete here. It might be true that you don't have any choice and that this is just your circumstances. But if that weren't true, like let's go into fairy tale land here and let's just pretend like that's your favorite way to set up your life. Why would that be? We have to, we have to detach ourselves uh, from the meaning of it, from the emotion of it. And it is possible. I do it all the time. I mean, like when I'm in conflict with my wife, I will take myself through this conversation, this question. I wonder why your favorite thing is to be an asshole to your wife right now. Wow. Yeah. What are you getting out of it? Hmm. What's the, what is the benefit of you showing up this way? And it's powerful, man. I get to be right. I get to stroke my ego. If we're trying to make a decision, I get my, because uh, uh, she'll, I know she'll back off, right? So I get to, we get to do what, whatever my decision is. Like they're not beautiful things, <laughs> but I, but I get to get in touch with those. And then I get to ask myself, is that what you really want? Hmm. And of course not. What I want is connection. What I want is, to, to be together, to make a decision together, to give and take. And so it, but it's only getting in touch with why I set my life up that way or why I show up that way that I can ultimately get connected to what it is I actually want. Brilliantly summed up. I, I man, there's so many, again, as I said earlier, so many different directions we could go here. We could keep digging. Um, we've, we've run up on a, on a time limit, unfortunately, but there's so much value 
that both of you have brought to the conversation today. And to this point about the fact that there's so so much more that we could talk about, I, I'd love to put it out there for our listeners. Um, your not not just the the man trips, especially for the guys, obviously, but in general, do you? Drew and Chad, do you offer coaching not just to guys or is it all for guys? Could our listeners reach out to you if they want more help with this kind of stuff? Absolutely. A hundred percent. The men trips are set up specifically for men, but my work is with with everybody. Okay. Um, As long as they're a business owner or a leader in some capacity. Brilliant. Okay. So uh, this is a great time to ask then how they can best reach out to you outside of um, social media that we already mentioned in your website. Um, if, if they're looking specifically for more help in this realm for coaching um, as a creative, how can they reach out? How can they learn more? Probably best would be my e- email, Drew. Yeah. Yeah. I was a direct email. Yeah. yeah direct email chat at uh, chat at take new ground.com. Take new ground.com. Okay, cool. And of course, for everybody listening in, we'll, we'll link to this in the show notes at bocapodcast.com as well. Um, as I mentioned earlier, for those guys listening in, um, you can check out Epic Man Trips on Instagram. Same thing, the website. We'll also link to those in the show notes. Any kind of closing thoughts? Um, at Drew, you've, you've been a, a little bit more on the quiet side in the background. <laughs> Maybe you can kind of close this out with, with some last thoughts here. Oh, man, put me on the spot there. Can I, <laughs> can I give you one more resource too? Please, yes. Um, Nathan, you at, you mentioned that you have a team and I'm I'm assuming there's probably you have a few listeners that also run a team and even just owning your own business, even if it's a team of one. I also host a podcast called Naked Leadership. Okay. And that's where we dive deep into um, all kinds of aspects of leadership, your communication, uh, we talk a lot about rackets and stories. We talk about hiring. We talk about firing. We talk about um, managing up. I mean, there's just tons and tons of content uh, and resources there. Wow. If you're working with a team and you're working with other human beings, um, it's a it's a, an incredible resource there as well. So Naked Leadership That's uh, brilliant. Podcast. Yeah, we'll yeah. put that in the show notes. I feel terrible. I, I feel like I, I fell short in this case doing my oh, research no. previous to our conversation. I didn't know about that. But yeah, we'll- No, we'll, no, we have so much- we're so everywhere. That's one thing we're working on is like bringing in like the message because we, you know, we, we run into people all the time. There's just like, you guys are doing some great stuff, but I don't know how to interact with you. So uh, that's what, that's something we're, we're working on, but Drew, sorry to interrupt. I just want to know you're good. It gave me a thing, you know, I would, I would say like kind of wrapping this all up. I, I think often when I get, I'll have people message me online and they're just like, yeah, I'm thinking about, you know, starting a photography business or a film business. Like, what advice do you have? And the thing I, it's kind of on what we've been talking about is figure out first the lifestyle you want to live. Figure that out first. And then second, figure out how the business or the business you need to create in order to support that lifestyle. Because it, that's where we made the mistake. That's what led to the overwhelm is we just drove to build a business, Hmm. but the business was the tool to give us the lifestyle we want. So I always tell people, start with the lifestyle, like what do you, and get very clear. And I'll talk with them about this. Like, what do you want your relationship with your wife to be? And often the the answer is, oh, I want time with my family or I want freedom. Well, what does that mean? Get very clear on like, what you want your work life to look like, like your nine to five, like what are your hours? And then when you're with your family, what are you doing with them? Like how are, like Chad does, right? Scheduling time and like 
you know, you know, the things that are distracting to you, if it's your phone, great. Like, what are you going to do with your phone? Get very clear about that and then develop your business plan around how you're going to actually build that uh, support system for that lifestyle. And if you're experiencing burnout, you know that you've strayed away from that. Simple. Hmm. Guys, this has been, and, and beautifully summed up, this has been a, a really, I, 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 it's important to me that for our listeners' sake that we're not just making more noise or adding more to the existing noise of 2021. There's so much <laughs> content out there. And, and to that end, I, it's important to me that we're sharing practical, actionable concepts, principles. Um, I can't remember. I'm sorry, Chad, you, yourself or Drew mentioned earlier uh, the importance of principles versus just tips and, and tricks. Chad, I think you were talking about it. And and that's that's so important. We need to establish clear principles that, that drive uh, success at the end of the day. You shared some really important ones today, and I really can't thank you both enough for, for doing so, for making time for all of us. We'll make sure for those of you listening in to uh, link to all the information, the talking points from today's conversation as well in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. Uh, thank you, Drew. Thank you, Chad. Thank you. Nathan. It was it was great, man. Yeah, thank you so much. This was a this was a, a vitalizing conversation for me. So thank you for having us. Thanks so much, photographers, for listening to the Boca Podcast. Will you let us know what you thought of the show by leaving a review of the podcast in the Apple Podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast and suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My email is nathan at bocapodcast.com. Make sure to visit our sponsors, photographersedit.com, custom photo editing for the professional photographer, and milu.com, that's M-I-I-L-U.com, the simplest way to create and manage timelines and shot lists for the events you're photographing.